You are now listening to the Living Numbers and Tony Rambles. Tony Rambles. Tony Rambles. 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 And the Living Numbers Podcast. Yes, I'm like. I'm just thinking like fatality from Mortal Kombat, but you know, <laughs> sometimes you can make the joke, sometimes you can't, you just gotta gauge the situation. Fatal, and I'm in insurance, so how ironic. <laughs> you said some your marketing people just told you, hey, we got something to do, and you Yeah, and they how'd just, that work? Uh, well, they just set up gigs for us, and so we're, you know, we're, we're launching this product we've been working on for a year and a half. And then we just said, we need to build some, some excitement around it. We need to kind of put it out there, push it out there a little bit. And one of the, one of the best ways is just to, uh, for people to see us as opposed to reading something and hearing about, hearing about it. It's like, if they actually see us talking as real people and thinking, wow, I'd like to have this, these three guys come into my business and work with them. And so it's, it's a nice way because it's a bit of a filtering system. Because uh, mm-hmm. if they see you, they don't like you. They're not going to contact you. But if they see you and they like you, and they reach out, <laughs> that would be great. When your, I guess your representative reached out to me, you know we live in like a spam culture. Yeah. Right. So there's always messages going out. Hey, these guests would like to be on your podcast. I'm like, okay, like is this real? Is it not? So I always <laughs> send back this question every time. Is what attracted you to my podcast? Why do you feel like your guests, your your, your clients will be a, a great guest for my podcast? And so if you get something back that's real, then you're like, okay, well, yeah, maybe we can do something. But yeah. if you don't get anything back at all, it's probably spam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what? one thing I don't like is these kind of like, on a lot of podcasts, they want you to, their end goal is for you to buy their products and services and whatnot. Where at, where at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I'm kind of like, yeah, if it makes sense, possibly, but I don't want that to be your MO as a podcaster. It's trying to sell me something after the meeting is over. Oh, no. <laughs> I've gotten those too. So, uh, yeah, let's set up a meeting. You know, we got our people. And it's like, okay, I'll take a meeting. And then they go, well, you know, we got these classes that, uh, that may be great for. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. I didn't know that this was a meeting about a class or a product, but, you know, yeah. you just kind of be kind and listen and you go all right well we'll see what happens exactly 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 yeah and so i'm i'm glad that we were able to connect i can already tell like this episode is gonna be bomb it's gonna be great so Boy, we're um, having fun. yeah man yeah so i guess we can we can go ahead and get started we're we're live streaming on youtube welcome everybody out there listening Everybody out there watching, whether you're watching today on May 10th, 2022, or May 10th, 2025, I'm glad you're here. And this is The Living Numbers Podcast, and I am your host, Tony Rambles. And I have a wonderful guest here with me today. And you'll all know how I do this. Whenever I have somebody on for the first time, they have to get an introduction. Now, Mr. Fatal does not know about this introduction. He does not know what I'm going to say. So we uh, will get the live reaction, myself included. So, of course, I have to do a little digging, and I have to just kind of put some stuff together. 
So here we go. Here we go. Senior financial advisor and owner of Entrepreneurs Wealth Management. Graduate of NAIT, Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. Former branch manager at Wells Fargo. We can talk about banking later. He loves quotes like, it's never too late to turn things around and stick to the grocery list. That was one of my favorites that I saw. And his company made the 10 best financial advisors in Edmonton list for 2022. I present Mr. T. Charlie Fatal. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that uh, introduction. That's great. You did a little bit of digging. Uh, just a little bit. You know, I, I couldn't find all the crazy pictures from college or anything like that. So <laughs> it's all well, pretty clean. Because, because I'm 48 and that was before <laughs> everything you did was recorded. So and I'm happy I'm from those days because some of the things we did back then, I'm glad nobody knows yeah. <laughs> unless yeah. you were in that room. <laughs> it's like because uh, now everything is like recorded. You know, everything is, oh, we got to share this. Let me get my phone out. You know, people don't even just enjoy the moment anymore everything has to be captured yeah. and so like that can be like a cool thing because you can always go back and look at those things but that can also take you I feel like out of the moment at times um, it's why you're there like why you there I, I pay money to go and be entertained not mm -hmm. uh, but I mean for my field it's not relevant maybe some of the people in their field marketing and those sort of things uh you know and followers and likes is important in my world it doesn't generate any revenue really uh so and nobody cares if i'm watching the oiler game or if i'm making <laughs> a sandwich <laughs> to be honest with you <laughs> hey so the oilers in the playoffs right now yeah i'm, I'm not much of an oiler fan but i'm probably gonna okay. go to a couple games um you know the, the the companies i do business with from time to time send us tickets and whatnot so uh, if they come my way, I typically give them away, but I'll, I'll mm -hmm. probably attend a game or two uh, if they start having a, a strong run in the in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm from Detroit, Michigan, so mm. you know hockey is just part of the fabric. Even if even if I never played hockey, which I do know how to ice skate, by the way, but the team was good. Like we had Fedorov, we had Eisenman, we had Chris Chelios, we had those guys, and we were winning. So you just kind of as a byproduct of living in the city, you become, you you become yeah. a fan of the team. Yeah. Well, cause I'm a fan of my city. So I love my city. I love the people in the city. And so if, if everyone else is happy, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about hockey, but I'm going to jump in and enjoy the party. Oh. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 You go, Hey, well, let's plan tonight. Everybody's here. Okay. I'm there. Let's do it. Why not? And I watch it's a little hoop. Time. So that's kind of cool. Okay, okay, okay. Before that. we get into anything else, okay, we <laughs> got to talk basketball. We got to talk playoffs because you said that you're a hoops fan, so I can't just let that go. Like I've done normally my my I do like playoff episodes, so I kind of keep it a little bit separate yeah. from you know the other stuff with the interviews. But you opened the door, so I gotta I have to walk through it. So sure. what do you think? What do you think so far? You know, I like the competitiveness. I think this yes. is um, is one of those years where um, injuries, I think, is asked is just adding more intrigue. It's adding more excitement, mm. um, and the cream is really, really rising to the top. Like you can see how the Warriors grounded out last night, man. 
That's like Man. that's like in their blood. That's DNA pedigree. That's the yes. winning pedigree right there in their DNA, right? Yes. So um versus a team that is so talented like like Memphis yes. and and but you know it's one of the you hear guys talk about they gotta learn how to win and that might be one of those cases you know where they just gotta get the first year in the playoffs maybe the second year maybe the third year that's when they start start making a real run yep yep but yep. it's because I, I, I think the, the the oddest thing is not seeing like LeBron in there not seeing yeah. KD like really not advancing and you're kind of like hmm, some of the marketing uh, Lillard is not in there it's kind of like man yep some of the mainstays like staples of playoff basketball are those guys and they're not there but I don't think it's made the playoffs any lesser uh, because of how competitive the games are and how much back and forth there's been like we have so many game sixes where you go like okay like is this is close like are we getting yeah. to game seven and we didn't but every, there hasn't been any, like, dog series where you go, oh, this is over. This is done. They've all been, like, somewhat a little pesky, except for uh, Chicago and Milwaukee. Like, without, you know, you know, yeah. without all their guys, we just – Chicago looked formidable in the beginning, and it was cool. But then once they started to get injuries and injuries, you yeah. know, they don't have – they don't really have a chance against Giannis. He's too good. No, no. It was, it was either a friend of mine or one of my kids because I'm a high school teacher. And of course we talk hoops. And so he's like, man, I really like Memphis. And I said the exact same thing that you said, like they don't, the experience of Golden State with those guys, Clay, Steph, Dre, even Iggy, even though he's not on the court, just kind of by osmosis being around, that is something that is so invaluable. And and Memphis will come to that point eventually because they got a superstar in John Morant. There's no question in that. But those guys have to learn how to, to not make the silly mistakes or to not get out of their game when things get crazy and they maybe go down by eight and they go, you know what? We stay the course. Nobody get outside of yourself. Don't start jacking up threes. We just do what we do. And that's that's invaluable. And that comes from experience. Yeah. And so really quickly, uh, who do you have in the finals? What do you think? Well, you know, initially I like the Suns. And yes. and Milwaukee, that's who that's who I thought would be in the finals. And yep. uh, but, you know, Warriors are looking formidable, man. They're looking <laughs> real nice. They're looking nice. And from the east, I, I don't know. I don't know if if, uh, so tough. if Harden could play well and beat and them could get through. You never know, man. It's, it's open. Boston. I mean, I'm not a Boston fan, but I mean, okay. those young fellas, they're looking nice. I I, that uh, D, so, you know when they played against my raptors man the way that they oh, locked yeah. down like they locked them down you know it's it it's tough. tough i'm i'm with you on phoenix i believe that they play consistently very very good they don't have too many games where you go oh, they kind of mailed it in and it's really hard to do that so i feel like they're really good is better than a lot of people's and of course they got a lot of talent on that team so I've always been on the kind of Phoenix bandwagon getting to the finals because I didn't really see anybody that could stop them. Yeah. I am a huge Luka fan, but they don't have enough. Uh, Golden State, I feel like they're talented. They're not as talented as Phoenix. And Phoenix kind of reminds me of that. Uh, you remember when San Antonio lost to Miami and then they came back that next year and they were just running through everybody. It was like, no matter what you do, 
Mm-hmm. I kind of get a feel of that from this Phoenix team. That's the West. I think Phoenix is coming yeah. out. They just got too much. And Aiton is a problem because nobody yeah. else over there has anybody that's big enough they, and athletic enough to handle them. You know, I, I, I'm not a Dallas. When I, and, and Luca, I like Luca, but I don't mm. think I would enjoy playing with him. No, like, uh, uh, I, I, I watched, I watched a few games and you know what I saw? I saw two guys on the baseline, two guys, mm-hmm. foul line extended yep. and Luca at the top, 23 seconds, dribbling the ball. Next possession, same thing. 17 seconds, dribbling the ball, no movement, yeah, no cutting, no passes. And uh, I was like, you, you're not going to win like that. You won't, no, you won't not. win like that. And when I coach, I teach my kids. You got to have motion. That's why when I watch the Warriors play, I'm like, ooh, it's a beautiful brand of basketball. It's the ball's popping. It's moving. Everybody gets to feel because you play basketball. So you know when you just get your hands on that ball a little bit, even if you don't take a shot, you just feel a little bit better about your game. That's it. You got to touch it. Like if you've been running up and down the floor six times, you haven't touched the ball. They haven't even gave you a look. You kind of like, yeah, go ahead, Luca Cook. Do whatever yeah. you want to do i'm standing over here and, and I, it, i'm it, not gonna get the ball i'm just you know it, it takes you uh, out of it yeah yeah but okay real you know, quick that's like you yeah. got out, out the east go ahead go ahead you got out the east east uh yeah. I, it's a question mark right now i um okay. I, I i'm still rolling with uh, milwaukee uh yeah but you know you gotta see a couple more games man boston and milwaukee are the two teams that i think are the most likely I, I, Miami, I have right. a hard time without Kyle Lowry in there. Um, I, I don't, I don't have enough. It. Yeah. And then with the 76ers, if, if Harden could be like MVP, close uh, to MVP Harden, I think they got the chance, but um, I don't know if, I don't know if they'll be there. So yeah, I'm, I'm just, okay. I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. Yeah. I like to sit at home, open a bottle of wine and just, uh, and just enjoy some good it for a few hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I say whoever wins Milwaukee, Boston is coming out of the East. Okay, 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 okay. I know we could talk basketball all day. Um, All right, so I got to get into my first number here. My first number is 23 because as I was doing my research, I saw that you had, this is based on Google and Facebook. You have 23 five-star reviews. You got five stars oh. across the board. I don't see anything lower than five. Yeah, that's 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 good. <laughs> so I, I so my question see, is, <laughs> go ahead. Well, when did you realize? Because I had a, a conversation with one of my students, and he's a senior. He's about to graduate, and he's kind of like, I have no idea what's next. I don't know what's going to happen once I graduate, and he's kind of having a hard time trying to figure out that next step. And so my question is, when did you realize? like finance is kind of what you're into, like the numbers, like when did you realize like, okay, this is yeah. my niche here. Well, I'll, I'll first comment on the reviews. I, first of all, I didn't know I had 23 five-star reviews. Um, oh, I've yeah. never asked clients. I've never solicited anyone to do that. So I probably need to go check that out because maybe I can market that a little <laughs> bit more. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah, there you go. I'm just curious to see what they're saying. Anyways, I know I'm good at what I do, but it's kind of nice to get that unsolicited recognition. Um, but to answer your question, I think I, um, you know, when I left high school, I didn't go to, to, to college and university right away. I, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was just kind of loafing around, got a job, cutting carpet in a warehouse. And then uh, the experience that changed my life was I was the uh, warehouse manager 
and a truck driver out of the U.S. came in and he wanted his truck to be unloaded. And I just said, hey, hang on. I got some things on the go. You got to wait a few minutes. And he went, he bypassed me, went to the front, found the store manager and said, hey, you tell that N-word in the back to unload my truck. And, and so needless to say, my, my manager kicked him out and was upset about it. And then I later found out a couple of days later about, you know, what, what happened. And at that point in my life, I said, I will always be the N-word to that truck driver, but I can either be the N-word in the back or in the front with a suit and tie on. I said, I'm going to find a career where I'm going to be the N-word in the front with a suit and tie, making the decisions, signing the checks, hiring and firing. And that's when that's what changed my life. So then I went into, uh, I've always liked numbers. I went into fine. I went into Nate's. It's a Northern uh, Alberta Institute of Technology. I was studying to be an accountant, but then my um, my manager at the time at that store, when he found out I was um, taking the class, he you know very happy, very proud of me. And then he said, "Charlie, you have too much personality to be an accountant." And I was mm. like, "What do you mean? They make good money." That he goes, "Go take a look at the accountant that the controller that runs their organization." And just watch him for a little while and see if, that, if, if you want that to be your life. And so I went, observed, observed his name was Jean, and I saw him in a uh, maybe an eight foot by eight foot office and no windows, just a door, piles of paper mm-hmm. everywhere and just grouchy. And I said, yeah. I want to do something finance, but I don't want to do that. So I switched yes. and I went into uh, into business and then I got a and then I got a finance diploma and I went the route of banking and so hence my career started with Wells Fargo and I went on mm-hmm. to be uh, in a dealership and then I started my practice in 2007. So it was that okay, negative so, experience that actually triggered me to um, to what I do now. That's funny because uh, I actually went in into banking for for a few years. And I enjoyed it. But uh, once I graduated, I went off and did some some other stuff. But uh, tell us about what it is that you do. Your time to shine. So my company is called Entrepreneur's Wealth Management. And um, so when I started my practice, I literally, um, you know, I'm a financial advisor, just getting out Mm -hmm. there hustling. You know, you, 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 you get a sign, you put it in front of your lawn, you say, hey, Entrepreneur's Wealth Management, open for business. You get client number one, client number two, client number three, and like other professions like accounting, doctors, lawyers, uh, dentists, same exact thing. You can go work for a big company or you can put a sign on your lawn and say open for business, client one, two, and so forth. And so when I first started my practice, I took everybody and their dog as a client. I was doing 15, 20 meetings (laughs) a week, driving all over the place for people that want to invest $20, $50. Grinding, hustling. Yeah, And then about five years ago, I made a decision that I only want to work with people that I like and people that like me. And so my practice was mature enough that I could make that decision to be a a little bit more selective. So what I do for my clients is um, I help them build personal wealth plans and corporate wealth plans. So if you have a corporation, the main thing is going to be what happens when you want to make a decision to stop working. Where does the money come from to look after your family? Like if you think about it just from a numbers standpoint, you retired 65, you live to 90, that's 25 years where you got to look, feed, clothe, shelter yourself. Now, if you don't have any money, what do you do? Like, it's okay to be broke at 21, but not at 71. So what essentially I do, I, I just make sure that my clients can make a decision at some point in their life to stop working and don't stress mm-hmm. about their money. 
And so with that said, I maximize their investment returns. I help them with their tax planning, their estate planning, if they're incorporated, making sure that the, the company is investing wisely, that um, you know uh, the structure of their estate is in the right way where they can mitigate mm-hmm. some taxes, uh, everything the, web, the estate can transfer seamlessly to their loved ones. So I'm a holistic planner and pretty much anything financial I can do. You have a business, you want to set up your group benefits, you want to set up a profit sharing, like an employee matching plan, kind of all of that stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. If it's, if it's got to do with money, typically I can help. Wow. So, I mean, money is such a, a huge part of, I mean, of life is it's a huge motivation of, because you started in or on the path to accounting going, uh, I want to make enough money. Like sometimes that's just the the only question that we have in our minds. And my next question will be, so with this kind of long-term planning that you do, uh, you don't always see the, I would guess you don't see the benefits always right away. So how do you measure success in your field? So when you look back at Charlie, okay, you go, all right, this was a successful day or month, or this was a successful yeah. year. What does that look like? What is that? What has to transpire for you to go, okay, that was successful? Well, I, I can say that what I do is not sexy. It's not like you're going to be making hundreds and hundreds of percent of return a year and whatnot. It's, uh, it's just something that happens over time. And um, how do I measure my success? I, I think I measured by my client's success. So I'll give you just a quick story. Um, a client I've had for probably almost 15 years. When I took this client on, she was about 23, 25 years old, just starting making $30,000 a year. And she was probably saving three or 400 bucks a month at the time with me. And in, in that 12 to 15 years, she got one promotion, two promotions, three promotions, found a man she loved, got married, yeah. had three children, and all but house number one, bought house number two, and wow. being part of that full, like, seeing a the person journey. From, from just a small child that just graduated university to now a senior level executive, um, make, going from making her income of 30000 a year to now her and her husband's household income is 300000 a year plus, going from saving two or $3,000 a month to saving like eight or $10,000 a month and just seeing that net worth uh, increase year after year. So to, to add the real measure though is um, every time I have my annual reviews of my clients, we look at their net worth and that's my measuring stick is that where did you start out? The first meeting we had, what was your net worth? Now, one year later, two years later, three, and all of a sudden, 10 years later, go from, hey, when I met you, you were negative net worth. Now you're positive, <laughs> two or three or 400,000, right? So that's, that's what gives me joy is just seeing how my clients progress. But it's not sexy. It's not exciting. It's not like, you know, you don't get those instant rushes when you buy a car or buy, you know, you, you get a piece right. of jewelry. It, it's not like that. It's, it's just a long-term, long-term. It's the long game. It's the long game. It's like uh, when Dr. Strange said, we're in the end game now, Tony. Like he was looking at it from all the way down the road, all possibilities, right? I forget what yeah. that number is. It's a crazy number. Um, what do you do like for, for leisure? I know earlier you talked about coaching. You talked about playing basketball. Like, so how do you kind of, you know, 
de-stress yeah. from from um, the work my, my free time uh i've i've always been athletic from the time i was you know three four years old and you can run and so i i stay athletic i i still hoop uh once or twice a week i um i volunteer to uh coach basketball um mm. I, I have uh, I had a membership at a public a private golf club. Uh, I've I moved so I, since I don't have it anymore. But I typically would play 100 plus rounds of golf a year. Um, I take vacations. I um, I got three kids, two grandkids, so I spend a lot of time with my kids. I you know I play with my grandkids. So just staying active. Like I'm 48. I don't really exercise too much, but I I stay slim and trim because I eat well and I do a little mm. bit of exercise here and there. Um, I love me some wine. I love me some dark <laughs> rum. <laughs> so <laughs> when I get all home, in moderation, right? Music is playing. Have a have a little uh, shot of rum and uh, and just hang out with my family. So how old are your kids? Uh, I got a 31 year old and she's married with a couple of kids. And I got a 19 year old boy. And then I got a, uh, a 16 or well, 15 year old daughter soon to turn 16 here in a couple of months. And she plays basketball at a pretty high level, so it's 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 real okay. nice watching her uh, watching her play and all those days of driving her to practice and training and and rehab and it's and it's off. starting to it's starting to come to uh, to fruition to seeing her skill level compared to her peers. It's just a lot of fun watching her play. So you you've always had like that relationship through through sports uh, with your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it sports kept me out of trouble. I look at a lot of my mm. friends growing up that, you know, a few of them went astray. Most of us, most of them pretty straight, including myself, but just having sports as an outlet um, was, it, it helped me. It helped me stay a little more focused uh, and kind of achieve my long-term goals. I have a lot of friendships through sports as well that, you know, we've kept, kept in contact over the years, which is nice. Yeah. It's amazing how, I feel like the two things that are really bring people together, like no matter where you're from, because you're from Canada and we can talk about that in a second, actually, uh, is sports and food. Like no matter where you're from or wherever you're going, you know, sports, food, and you could probably throw music in there as maybe a, a, a maybe a distant third because of a language barrier that could be possible. Uh, yeah. But, you know, when I lived in China, because I, I graduated college and I moved to China, my wife and I, uh, just as let's do something different. Let's do something mm -hmm. new. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> so, uh, but when you stepped on the court, like that was the, the, the language was, we got the ball, we got the hoop and, you know, you just, you just ball, you know, if you know how to play basketball here, you know how to play basketball there and That's anywhere right. else. Like it's, right. it's all the same language It's movement is shooting, it's passing, it's reading body language. So, just sports I can really relate to because I mean, it just, it transcends so many different barriers and it helps to, to bring people together. And you said yeah. food and wine, you know, shoot, we got to eat. So <laughs> oh, I think it was five years ago. I was in Croatia and I think it's mm. called Dubrovnik. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, but uh, we, you know, we're just touring through the old city and it, yeah. you know, apparently game of Thrones was, you know, some of the episodes were filled there, uh, filmed there. And we're roaming through this thousand-year-old city, and all of a sudden, yeah. I could just hear a ball bouncing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I had on my, you know, running shoes and shorts. It's nice out. And I'm like, somebody's hooping somewhere. <laughs> so I listened, and I found my way to that court, and I hoop with these guys 
for yeah. a couple hours, man. I just had like, you know, not really basketball shoes, but I'm like, when do you get to do this to be in Croatia on the top of like a, a, a thousand year old building yeah. with, with this modern day basketball court and you just hooping with some strangers having fun for a couple hours, man. It was awesome. It was great. There's nothing like it. it. It really reminds me like that's one of the first things that I did when I moved. I, I was just like, I know they play basketball over here. Like, where are the courts? Like, I just yes. got to find the courts. And I met so many people. I still have relationships with those people that it all just came from, you know, playing basketball. Some of them are from here. Some of them are from, from there. Uh, but you live in Canada. How often do you come over to the States? Is that like a normal thing? I mean, it's so close. Yeah. You know, I typically um, pre COVID, I would probably once or twice in the winter head down to, to either Scottsdale or Vegas or uh, Phoenix to play golf mm-hmm. for you know a few days with my buddies um, you know, a lot of work conferences, they'll have incentives and, you know, retreats, uh, down there. Yeah. So yeah, you know, usually it's once or twice a year, I'll find my way across the border. So those vacations and those kind of being able to get away, those things are huge when we start talking about work-life balance. And I've been, I brought that up because I, I saw this article and it's from the Harvard Journal, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And it said, work-life balance isn't a destination, it's a cycle. So it's just continuously going. And so they had like these five steps. And so I'm gonna read them off. And then, and then I'll give you the mic. It says, the first one is pause and denormalize. So like working all the time is not supposed to be normal. Okay, mm-hmm. number two, pay attention to your emotions. Okay, where are you? Are you high? Are you low? Do you enjoy going to work? Do you not? Number three is reprioritize. So when you recognize something is wrong or off, okay, now it's time to shift some things around. Mm -hmm. Number four is consider your alternatives, right? Does that look like dropping some things that are stressing you out? Does that look like finding a different job? Okay, and then number five is implement changes. So once you figure all this out, Okay, now what are the steps to do this differently? So five is our next number for the podcast. And so my question to you is, is work-life balance attainable? And I ask that from this drop, this kind of, this drop, backdrop, that's the word, especially because you are a basketball guy and you go Kobe and Michael Jordan, arguably the best. And they go, well, I sacrificed a lot of the things that were important to me to be the greatest. Yeah. And so sometimes like work-life balance is like, it doesn't exist for some people in this. They chose to be that way because they want to get to a certain level or goal. So my, my question is, is work-life balance attainable, especially when you're trying to be the best in your field? Yeah. You know, um, great question. I, let, let me pause just for a second to kind of give it some thought. Um, you know, when, when I started my practice in 2007 and I was, I was a finance director at a pretty large dealership here in, in the city and make great income. You got a free car, free gas, all that. That was great. But what I didn't like was on the first of every month, because it was a hundred percent commission based job, you started at zero and you worked yep. your way up and you made whether it's 1000 or a hundred thousand. And then the next month you started at zero and you yeah. kept repeating that cycle 
So at some, I, I just woke up one day and I said, man, it sure would be nice to be paid from yeah. something I did three years ago. And what I did was I said, um, I need to find something in the financial services industry that has some sort of residual, some sort of ownership. And that's what led me to be a financial advisor. I didn't know that you could actually be a financial advisor and own your own brokerage, choose what companies you work with, choose what investments you do, choose whatever you want, area you want to specialize in. This career was never talked in school and I never knew about it until I just sort of happened to kind of fall into it. And when I realized what you can have, um, the first thing I did was I said, I, I need to be independent and I need to have control over who my clients are. I need to have control of my time, some control of my income. I've always been used to having a fairly good income. So I was like, how can I maintain that level, but still be able to have some autonomy where I can take vacations. I didn't like the mm -hmm. idea of having a boss all the time. And so is it achievable? Absolutely. My industry, it is. Um, people that do what I do after 10, 15 years of doing it, if you've done a, a good job and you've, you've built a practice, typically you can take off two, three, four months a year and your income really isn't affected that much. Because once right. you have an established book of business, you're, you know, you're continually getting paid just for managing those clients. Now, of course, you got to be good at what you do. People will leave right. you. If you're crappy, they'll leave you in a heart <laughs> because you're managing their money. And if their neighbors is making 20% return and they're averaging three or four, well, they're going to go over there and mathematically yeah, yeah. get 100% makes sense. So you still got to be a good, good at what you do. But um, for the work-life balance in my industry, absolutely. It is, uh, it's attainable because I don't, um, I don't get paid. Like I don't have to get on new clients every single day to get, to get, to get compensation. Right. So that's what I love about our industry. So what does a, a day look like for you? Like you wake up at what time, you know, just, just give us, give us the steps. Oh man. It's, it's going to sound like I don't do much. <laughs> like, <laughs> a day today versus a day uh, 12 years ago. It's a lot different, right? I mean, back. Okay. In, hey, you know, let's do both. Compare the two. Sure. So when I first started, I would say I was probably doing, um, 15 to 20 or 25 appointments a week. An appointment is going to be anywhere from 60, 60 minutes to two hours driving here, driving there. I had small, you know, my kids were young at the time. And so I was busy from like 6 a.m. to like 9 or 10 p.m. like every day. And in between driving to my kids, like I'd be the one that here you go. The, the classes go into the farm and they need three parent chaperones. That's me going there. Hey, we need a volunteer for the basketball team or the music, you know, the, 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 the this they're going. I would do all of yeah. those things. That was then. Now, what does it look like? Mm -hmm. I maybe wake up seven, seven thirty, um, you know, have a leisurely breakfast, have coffee, uh, pick my fit for the day iron what needs to be ironed, you know, you, you, you shower, I, I shave my head every morning, trim <laughs> the beard, um, get to the office, have a coffee, you know, if there's any emails or phone calls, um, look through uh, any meetings, I have to do client reviews, um, you know, I, I make five outbound calls every day, that's my goal is five outbound sales sort of related calls, whether it's mm -hmm. calling centers of influence, like mortgage brokers, accountants, people I have a relationship with just to be like, hey, how's everything going? Whatever. Um, right. And I typically have three to five client meetings a week, um, like face-to-face -face or Zoom. And so mm -hmm. 
And if it's one o'clock and I want to go play golf, I tell my assistant, hey, I'm going to go play golf. I go play golf. Uh, and that's kind of my life. Like it's, wow. it's, uh, it's pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, don't be ashamed of your chill life. You've earned it. Like you worked to get to this point. Like it was, like you just said, it wasn't always, wasn't always chill. Like you were grinding. Like, so I, this question popped in my head. Like, so when you're on these, uh, not vacations. Well, maybe vacation too, but when you're on these like uh, like field trips and stuff with your kids, like are you are you on? Like is it turned on? Like are you looking around like okay, like who who could be a client or like are you always no, just No. No. When I no. Uh, I I literally I um I was a member at a private golf club here for 5 years and I and everybody's like, "Oh, you're going to get so many clients." I got zero clients because wow. I said, "When I want to go have recreation, I want to go have recreation." Because if I went and I had 50 clients there, it means every third hole, you're going to be seeing somebody, Charlie, how are my investments? Hey, yeah. What did my portfolio look like? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, I go there to relax, to talk about. Yeah, sports, I'm on the back politics. line. I'm not talking about your portfolio. That's it. That's it. So <laughs> I literally, and there's people there that they would, hey, you know, hey, they find out, hey, what I do. And, and I'm pretty good at what I do. They're like, Charlie, can we talk about this? I kind of brush them off. I wouldn't say no, but I'll just be like, listen, man, I just came here to golf. I just want to golf. Uh, you know, I want to have a little fun. That's it. So, no, I, it's not on for me. Now, if I go to a networking event, a place where I think it's appropriate, if I if I'm, you know, I have some a couple of networking groups I'm a part of that, you know, get give professional re uh, referrals. Um, if I'm if I meet a client's accountant, definitely I'm going to try to make a good impression so that that accountant can send more clients to me. So I, I try to separate recreation and work. Um, now, again, 12 years ago, I probably was looking for opportunities everywhere I went. But now right. I, I don't typically look for the opportunities unless it like falls in my lap where I'm like, OK, I, I should actually help this person. Yeah. So like for me, um, because I obviously I have a podcast and I've been doing it for over a year, uh, the Living Numbers podcast. You know, follow me on Instagram, TikTok at underscore Tony yeah, Rambles no. underscore. You can email the show one Tony Rambles at gmail.com. I'm always like, whenever I'm talking to people, I, I find like not always, but oftentimes I'm kind of like in interview mode. Like, okay, I'm just asking questions. And I think I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Do I have a good podcast because I'm like that? Or am I like that because I have a podcast? <laughs> so, but I'm always like, man, this person might be a really good guest. And it could be a teacher that I'm talking to, uh, you know, down the hall from, from me because I am I work at a high school. Yeah. And I'm not one of those people that are like, you know, let me put my head down. Let me not be noticed. Let me just do my work and get out of here. Like, I'm, I'm social. Like, I want to, I love to connect. I love to talk to people. And so I always feel like, I mean, we have so many great people around us. We just have to ask the right questions. Like everybody's interesting in some kind of way. And so I'm always like, okay, dang, like this teacher would be a great on, on the, on the show or, or this family member. Like I don't have just anybody and everybody. So it's always, um, I'm always kind of on in that way. Like, I don't know if that's good or bad, or I don't know if people will get tired of me talking about my podcast, but it's, it's who you're I am. Of, well, you're, you're at the beginning stage, right? So you absolutely right. got to be out there, right? Um, yeah. For me, I'm an introvert. So I actually, like a lot of people, that when they meet me, they're like, no way, this guy's an introvert. But I am an introvert. I'm the one in the wow. back of the class that says very little, but I listen. 
I listen to everything everybody says. Um, one of the things I always tell my kids is you make decisions based on the information you have. And yep. so when I meet somebody, I always like you ask questions because I'm like, I don't know nothing about this person. What information mm -hmm. will they volunteer? So I ask lots of questions all the time, all the time. And I listen. And uh, it's funny how when you ask lots of questions, people think you're so interesting because they're talking all the time. <laughs> but I'm just listening. <laughs> yep. And people love to talk about themselves usually. And you if you just I'm not gonna say act interested because that makes it sound fake. But if you just ask the questions, you know, people will honestly just kind of start to like you more because they feel like they you care you're about interested it. in them. They they yeah. want you like you want to know about them. So uh, we'll get out of here on a, a couple more things. Right. So I have my three what's. So I have three specific questions that I ask my guests before we go. And then I want you to talk about money, my DNA before we go. Correct. Um, so my first what is what's an opinion you have in your field that would be considered unpopular? Um, I think choosing who you work with, because mm -hmm. like I, I was explaining a little bit earlier, five years ago, I made the decision to work with people that I like uh, and that they like me. So what I did was I actually changed my process where the first meeting with me is 45 minutes and it is 100% non-financial. So I don't know whether you're worth $1 or $100 million. The questions I ask, and if somebody starts talking about, well, this is what I do for money, this is what I make here, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is 100% non-financial. <laughs> I just want to look at you in the eye, you look me in the eye, and my right. thing is, are you a good human? Are you a good person? So do we align morally, ethically? If I was stuck in an elevator with you for three hours, would I dread that experience? Or would mm -hmm. I be like, yeah, you know what, it'll be okay doesn't mean yeah. we have to be best friends, but it's like, do we align morally, ethically? From my standpoint, you take on a client and you got to work with this person for 5, 10, 20, 30 years. For me, I want to enjoy that interaction. I don't want right. to work with any douches. I don't want to work with any jerks. I mean, I, I would use other words, <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to work with Thank those you kind for of not. people. <laughs> I, I want to work with nice people because right. there's nice people with a dollar and there's nice people with a hundred million. There's also jerks with a hundred million. There's also jerks with a yeah. dollar. So I just want to work with the good people. So that is, it's really unique in my practice is that mm -hmm. my first meeting and it's sometimes people say, Oh, that's a waste of time. Just find out what they have. I'm like, no, I first need no. to know, am I going to enjoy working this with, with this person for 20 plus years? So that, that is the, that's the, uh, you know, unpopular. Yeah. That's the unpopular one. It's like, no, you could be more efficient. You could do more meetings because that first meeting is a waste. I'm like, no, it's not. It is absolutely not. Man, it's, it's such a, a big difference when you're working with people that you like or yeah. that you at least just get along with. So, I mean, that could be a whole different podcast in itself. I won't even go there. You know, you know, we'll, we'll just start talking and we'll be all in some other place. OK, <laughs> yeah. If you weren't a financial advisor with your own firm, what would you be doing? Uh, probably I'd be back in the dealership and I'd be a finance director or a dealer principal, something like that. I enjoyed working um, at the car dealership. I, I like the income. Uh, mm -hmm. I like, I like, I'm a, a competitive person. So that environment kind of suits suit me well, where it's numbers related. There's some recognition for finishing first, second, third. So I probably would be a finance director or own a dealership, something like that. Right. You'd still be doing some numbers in some kind of way. Yeah. 
and and I, I like people and I think um like I think I'm really good with people I, because I listen I, I don't sell and I, I find solutions and I thought it was just a it's a good fit um, in that industry when you have someone that listens well and and just finds what you need as opposed to trying to sell something to you and jam something down your yeah. throat because they're making money or commissions. A friend of mine uh, worked at a dealership and he said he, he he enjoyed it, but the hours were just ridiculous. They were yeah. crazy. He was making money and he was just like the hours and he's got two young kids. And so, yeah, um, mm-hmm. I've heard good things about the dealership. Um, my last what is what advice would you give to someone in your position, any position in life that you have been in? what advice would you give that person? It could be from the dealership. It could be from the bank. It could be from the warehouse. It could be the high school kid that you were. Talk to, I guess, yourself from back then. You you know, um, I think my life would be a lot different if I had somebody like me uh, in my life when I was in my early 20s or just started. Because, you know, um, saving money, like it's not something that's talked about culturally. It's not something to talk about through our education system. Uh, There's no real emphasis on, hey, save money, save money, and not save money at 1% or 2%, saving money where you're getting 8%, 10 12 15%. So if I can give any advice to anybody is um, you don't have to wait until you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to go talk to somebody like myself. Even if you are in bankruptcy, even if you have no, like not even two cents to rub together, or you have $10 million, you just need to have a professional in your life so that whatever Mm -hmm. dollar you have, you can maximize that dollar. So my advice to anybody is have a financial advisor. You have a doctor, you have a lawyer, you have an accountant. Very few people have a financial advisor. So just have that that financial person in your life, someone that that actually knows about the investment world, the insurance world, the tax world, uh, that that they can actually give you proper advice. So that would be my advice to anyone. It's just having someone and starting saving money. That's it. Can't do nothing. I think if I was, you don't have no money, you can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Uh, been there before. Um, <laughs> I think I was looking on your Facebook page. I think it was on Facebook or it was on one of those pages. It might've been on the website. And it was asking all of these questions. It said, uh, why do you need a financial advisor? Well, can you answer this question? Can you answer this question? I think it was like taxes. It was about a bunch of different things. I think it was maybe like eight or 10 questions. And it said, if you can't answer at least two of those, then you need a financial advisor. And I was like, huh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Cause it's true. Like this stuff that, that financial advisors deal in, when you start talking about insurances and, and investments, that's not common knowledge to everybody. Somebody has to study this stuff and figure it out. And those people then in turn bring that knowledge to other people so that they can make proper decisions. So definitely. Okay. Now I want you to talk about something that you are are putting on, I I believe with some others as well. And it's called money mind DNA. Please tell the audience about what this is. This is, uh, this is, man, this is the project that I've been probably the most excited about in my professional career. And it uh, started about a year and a half ago at an event, um, a, do- a friend of mine. His name is Dr. Uh, Mikolai Rashik. 
Rastic. I hope I'm, I, I have a hard time pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing his name sometime. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he owns a company called Mere Genomics and they do, they give people access to DNA sequencing. So he put on mm-hmm. an event with um, a bunch of physicians and medical type people. And he asked me to come along and just do a talk from the financial standpoint, you know, talk about some financial concepts just to complement what he was doing. And in that meeting, there's another doctor there, um, Dr. Gans, and he's a mm-hmm. psychologist. And we just connected. Somehow, you know, we're seated together and we just started talking. And I'm just like, you're a good dude. And then I'm like, you know, Nikolai's <laughs> a good dude too. And, and then we just, we stayed in touch. And yeah. um, I, I don't know how this thing actually came together, but we're like, man, we, it'd be so awesome if we can, if we can work together. And so yes. for me, I'm a financial advisor. Uh, Dr. Gans, he, uh, he's, a, he's a psychologist. And his his book and his sort of um, my catchphrase is uh, is ask, ask Dr. Gans, and he wrote a book called The Me Factor, and it focuses mm-hmm. more on you on yourself. His thing is about prevention, not waiting until the problem is so bad it can't be fixed. It's it's yes. right when you kind of mm. start seeing things going going a little bit sideways. It's like oh, let's jump in now because so you don't fall completely off the cliff. And then for Dr. Rasik, it was um, he was like, it's your DNA, like. We, sh- we have technology now that could tell you any predisposition you have. It can tell you if you're pregnant that, hey, you, you're, your child, your unborn child, these are the complications or this is conditions that, that they could potentially have. And so um, at some point we were hanging out and he said, let's do something together. And we're like, well, yes. how do we combine our three expertise and who is going to give a crap to want the three of our <laughs> and what came to what one of the things that came to mind for me was that uh, the reason why I've, I've quit or left jobs and yeah. I thought how do we solve that problem if you're a business owner and you want to keep your retention you want to keep people off disability you want to keep people happy what are the sort of the key things that you need to do okay well if, if all of your employees had their money straight everybody has a structured yeah. financial plan they're properly insured. They have a retirement plan with some dates and some specific money that they're going to get when they stop working. You have set up group benefit plans. And then that's from the money side. The mind side of things is if all of your employees have a resource where they're like, hey, my 15-year-old, there's some, there's some funny things happening here. I need to oh, yeah. intervene. Uh, my marriage is starting to slip a little. Whatever it might be, you're like, hey, I have a resource that I can call or email to, to say, Hey, this is what's going on. We need some help. And the last one from the DNA standpoint is that again, if you're a business owner and you know, like if you're give your employees access to have their DNA sequenced and now Mm. those employees, obviously as an employer, you don't know, (laughs) but with that person working in conjunction with their medical doctor, they now know, Hey, I have a predisposition for this. I have, now they can actually have some in, in some intervention to say, hey, this is we're going to keep you healthy. We're going to keep you working. Now, think about a business that has those three things, those resources mm-hmm. available going to their employees versus a business that doesn't. What 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 is your bottom line going to look like? What is your retention yeah. going to be like? What is your productivity going to be like absenteeism? your disability claims and your WCB claims, those sort of things, right? right? So that is the goal is to help uh, business owners retain their staff, have happier, healthier employees. And uh, 
the bottom line, make more money. That's, you know, you own a business, why yeah. you business? make more money and, and, and uh, keep that's life it. simple. So that's our program. And that's what we do. We'll come in with a business and whether you uh, clean the floors or you see in the C-suite, we're going to individually work with everybody and get their mm-hmm. money, their mind and their DNA to a, to a point where everything is right. And that's our business. And that's, and that's what we're going to do. And when you see that your company is invested in you like that, then you care a little bit more. And like, and we, <laughs> this analogy came to my mind, uh, the Miami heat, right? Heat culture. Mm, yes. And when people, and when people become a part of heat culture and they go to that team and they, they really break you down, figure out everything that you really need to do, get you on individualized plans and they put you in the best shape of your life. And you had the best years of your life there in Miami. And that's why a lot of people don't leave. Look at Udonis Haslam. Like, yeah, don't ever leave Miami. The weather helps too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Right? I think that what better place to end it? Okay. Where can people find you? Um, T for Tony, uh, Mr. Fatal. Yes, uh, they can go on to www.mindmoneydna.com. Really simple. Mm-hmm. And from there, if they want to have access to myself or um, my other two partners, we have our company's information on there as well. But what we're, I mean, the key thing, and I, I don't like, you know, again, I don't like marketing, and, but it's like, yeah. if, you know, if you own a business and you want to separate yourself from your competitors, we want to work with you. Um, right. we're going to be selective on the type of businesses that we work with. I'm going to use the same, I use the same process where I'm like, our first meeting is we need to understand who the business owner is, the culture of that, of that business. And do we want to align our brand with them? And so once they pass that test, that's when we're going to actually go ahead and make a decision to work with them. But, um, that, you know, that's the thing is just reach out to us. And, uh, we put, we're starting to put on some events, some free events where, uh, business owners, their employees can come check us out uh, probably every four, um, four to six weeks. We're going to put on an event, mm-hmm. free event, and then we'll continue to follow up from there. So like when, when you work with, for myself, when I work with two doctors that are mm-hmm. like, I mean, that are high, high, high level in their professions. And I've got to spend uh, a year and a half with these gentlemen. Um, I'm telling you, they know their stuff and they act yeah. polished in front of the camera. And what, but we are all just a bunch of silly, goofy men that, man, that that's, just do silly, goofy man stuff, man. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. Uh, a dude's a dude. And it's I've really enjoyed working with these guys. I, I just wish they could have been here uh, with us. But, um, you know, hopefully, right. maybe next time, maybe next time, you know. <laughs> well, actually, ta-da, I'm going to have uh, one of these episodes with uh dr gans oh sweet yeah you're gonna you're gonna brilliant man brilliant man you know for the amount of years he's been doing what he does and the companies that he's worked with uh you're gonna enjoy that enjoy that interview well there we go hey that's a short plug there y'all know uh that's coming up i think uh we'll probably record on thursday uh so man it was a pleasure like this was so this was. I, I gotta ask you a question, like a brother Come with on, three guitars, it. with three guitars in the back, because I I control my background. I'm like I want it. it it's got to reflect me. It's got golf, basketball, music, you know, mm-hmm. flowers, and those sort of things. What yep. is what's your story with the music? When my wife and I first got married, I bought these guitars, 
uh, as a way for us to enjoy something together, to kind of grow, grow and learn something together. This was nine years ago. I probably bought the guitars maybe a little bit earlier than that, uh, but something for us to enjoy together. Uh, needless to say, um, I still play and I enjoy it. <laughs> she does other things. Um, this guitar in the middle is a friend of mine from church, James. Shout out to you. He actually gave me that guitar uh, when he found out that I played. And at that time, I only had the acoustics and I, I wanted an electric guitar. So James was like, hey, man, I got a guitar at the house. You know, I, I, you know I'll get it suitable and then I, I'll bring it for you. So I was like, OK, cool. And so he, he, he pulled up and uh, I now have that one. I don't play it anymore. It's kind of just you know, a memory. It's a relic at yeah. this point. Uh, and this one here is the one that I actually play um, more often than any of the other ones. It was a birthday present, I think, three years ago at this point. Uh, so that one really got me back into playing guitar when we got back from China. Because when we when we left, I didn't, you know, I'm not taking guitars with me, you know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, once we got back, I was back for a little bit and then we got our apartment and we were staying there. And so I, she got me this wonderful guitar for my, for my birthday and I was, I was back playing. So ironically, they're all kind of different stages of life and they represent different things from different people. So really cool stuff. You know, I was nine years old and I started taking piano lessons. I got two older yeah. brothers and I really enjoyed it, but they kept making fun of me. That's lame. <laughs> That's this. I, it's one of those big regrets in my life. I'm like, man, you know, if you know how to play a, an instrument, it's so it cool. just, you know, it's just so cool. It's just so cool. But they made fun of me real hard. And I'm like, I told my mom, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't take it. <laughs> uh, how much older are your brothers? Uh, one's older, one's younger. I'm, I'm in the middle. So and I'm like, no, nah. and I'm the quiet one, the chill one. And I didn't like getting picked on. So I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, you know what? This is calling me, causing me too much grief. You know, yeah, it's not worth yeah, it. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> well, uh, everyone, this was episode 42 with T. Charlie Fatal. You can find him at moneymindDNA.com, right? Is that right? Correct. Okay. You can find him there as well as his uh, wealth management services. He is the man, all five-star reviews. And it was awesome having this conversation. We definitely have to do it again. And um, obviously go, go listen and find me on TikTok, Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. Uh, you can find me on YouTube as well, where we're live streaming this. Uh, the Living Numbers podcast, um, Spotify, Apple, Google, I'm everywhere. And uh, I will see you all in the next ramble. Thank you, sir.